0: Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Well, I'm not a crook. Mr. Gorbachev opened this gate. The skies over Baghdad have been illuminated. I did not have sexual relations with that woman.
1: What difference at this point does it make? I went from leading
2: by a lot to losing by a little.
0: This is Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network with your host Booker Scott and Lou Basada. One prominent American political name over the last 40 years is Clinton. And when the name is brought up or mentioned, it brings different emotions to each of us. And for most of us, me included, those emotions are not positive. Two-term president Bill Clinton may be best known for the trail of women that he left in his political wake. There was Paula Jones, Leslie Milley, Kathleen Willey, Jennifer Flowers, Monica Lewinsky, and that's just a partial list, sadly. But one of the first was Juanita Hickey, now Juanita Broderick. Today, Juanita has a huge presence on social media and anyone that follows her loves her, and they also know that she's going to tell it just the way she sees it. In her earlier life, she was a Democrat and a volunteer for Bill Clinton's campaign when he ran for Arkansas governor in 1978. Today, she's a common-sense conservative that holds absolutely nothing back, and we're thrilled to have Juanita as our guest on the program. I'm Booker Scott, the host of this hour on the America Out Loud Network, and my co-host and producer is Lou Pizzotta. We're thrilled to be a part of America Out Loud Radio and Podcast Network and give a big thank you to Malcolm and his entire team for the opportunity to share our lives and politics on Saturday and Sunday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern at AmericaOutloud.com and available where you listen to podcasts after that. Lou, before we get Juanita in here, let's play a little game of word association. I'm just going to say a name, and you say the first thing that pops into your mind. That name is Clinton. Hillary and corruption. It's amazing to me that we hardly even think about Bill Clinton anymore. Hillary has taken such the stage after the Russian collusion hoax that she created, but before that, there was Benghazi, there was bleach bit. There were blackberries destroyed, and it's odd to me that we kind of forgotten Bill Clinton, but you really can't, and I think uh, his legacy maybe is going to be the women in that wake that he has left, and with us today, uh, I'm really proud to have Juanita Broderick. Juanita, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Booker, and hi, Lou. Thanks
0: for having me. Hey, welcome. Welcome. You know, one thing we do try to do on this show is kind of go through someone's life politically. And I think it's important when we talk about Juanita Broderick, Juanita Hickey back then, we talk about some things maybe prior to 1978 and 79. And I, th- I find an interesting part of your life is the success that you had as a nursing home administrator. And I think a lot of people may not even remember that, and some people may not even know about that. Can you talk a little bit about that part of your life?
1: Oh, sure, be happy to. Uh, that that's a really interesting, loving part of my life. When I graduated from uh, nurses training in 1963. I was putting my first husband through college. And so I was looking for the best, you know, best paying job. I went to work as a surgical nurse in Russellville, Arkansas. And then I learned about a nursing home that needed a director of nursing, went and applied for that and got the job. And it was just the best experience. I talk about that a lot in in my book about how I became a nursing home owner, and that began, and then uh, that was about a thirty-minute drive from where I was situated in Russellville, Arkansas. So then I got the opportunity to actually run a nursing home in Russellville that had just been uh, built, and uh, so I went over there, got the job for that, and I at back in the the sixties. They didn't require a lot of licensed uh, personnel. I was the only licensed personnel in the entire building and you you are lay people hey Juanita you yeah. are
0: you are a registered nurse too I think people yes, should know yes. that. yeah yeah that's that's yes, your profession yes. okay, keep going please
1: yeah and so I had to teach people that were used to out working in the fields, working labor jobs. At 50 cents an hour is what we paid back then. I had to teach them how to take care of patients. I mean, I was it. I was the administrator. I wrote the menus. I did everything.
0: And you you were really good. You were really good at it, weren't you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I was young and dumb. And full (laughs) of passion. (laughs) Yes, Yes. exactly. I wanted to do what was right. And I, I, I can't believe now, as I look back at what all I did, I can't believe it. So then I came back to Fort Smith, Arkansas, and ran nursing homes here, and then got the opportunity to build my own nursing home. And that was, you know, I had worked for so many others and I just thought, man, if I could just run the whole program, I know I could do it right. And so in 1974, I opened my own nursing home and it was just, oh, my God, I, I, I absolutely hid from creditors for the first 90 days <laughs> because, you know, this was just this was just something new to me owning it. I had worked for him, but I'd never owned it. But we finally made it, Booker, and was doing fairly well. And then all of a sudden in 1978, I meet Bill Clinton. And so it took a little bit of a back set there.
0: Yeah, but you know, the interesting part is all the success that you had in the nursing home industry is kind of what brought you to Bill Clinton in a way to a hotel in 1978. And do you feel like talking about that? I I don't want to get Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get get into it.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's a, it was a bad situation, but heck I'm 80 now and I can go back and talk about that. So when you look back at that situation, here I am a struggling business owner, you know, keeping my business going and everything. And my friends from the, uh, uh, from the area said, Hey, we're going down and volunteer for Bill Clinton's, uh, gubernatorial race want to go. And I thought, Oh, my God, I don't need to add one more duty to my roster here. But, yeah, that sounds fun. Never been involved in politics. Never. So I went down there with them and signed up. And I would go around in the evenings with my little nine-year-old son. And he thought that was just great. We would put up uh, uh, campaign signs. And he would carry the hammer and hammer it in. So he thought that was just absolutely wonderful. Did that for about three weeks. And then I get a call from the, uh, uh, campaign office in Little Rock saying, Hey, Bill Clinton's going to be in your area and can he come by your nursing home and tour? And I thought, Oh my goodness, that's, that's great.
0: So at the time, Bill Clinton was attorney general in 1978 when he comes to this hotel.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, well, he, it, it's, yeah, that, uh, that transpired uh three weeks later after he visited my nursing home uh and uh i've sort of lost my train of thought here that's okay uh, that's (laughs)
0: fine you you are at the i i I should tell a story real quick about you and i having a phone conversation the week before last because to me it kind of says who i think you are And Uh you told me that you had broken a tooth and you were super gluing that tooth. Um, (laughs) And I thought that's fantastic. That just sounds like something Juanita Broderick would be doing is super gluing uh, a tooth, but we'll go back to uh, a few minutes ago. You were talking about um, Bill Clinton coming to your nursing home and yeah, that's, that's kind of where things went sideways with uh, our memories. But um, let's go, let's
1: go back there. Okay. Well, after they uh, told us that he was going to be coming through the area, we were just so excited. We were all decked out in our Clinton for governor buttons and waiting for him to appear. And here he comes in with all of his entourage. And the first thing they do is snap a photo. And of he and I and a couple of my residents. And that's the photo you see on the front of my book. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that's over, he comes over to me and he starts asking me questions about myself, about the nursing home. And I thought, wait a minute. I need to tell him about our payment system. We are not getting reimbursed. So I started to tell him about how we couldn't survive on the per diem rate we were receiving from the state and he stops me booker in mid sentence and says, Hey, are you ever in little rock? And I said, yes, I'll be there in three weeks. I'll be bringing down my director of nursing for a meeting. And he said, "Well, call my office and let's get together. So that's how it, all that came about. Uh, and when we got into town, uh, we, uh, checked into the Camelot he- hotel the night before next morning, call his office and he's not there. So they give me the name, the number of his apartment to call. And I call that he answers the phone. And I said, uh, I'd like to come to your office. I have the files that we were talking about, about the per diem payment. And he said, you know, I'm not going to be there today. And I thought, Oh no. I said, well, can I drop these by your office then? And he said, why don't i come to your hotel right now so that's how all that occurred so uh he said uh just wait in your room and when i get to the hotel i'll call you and you can come down to the coffee shop and we'll talk down there well of course we know that didn't happen when he got to the hotel Uh, I told, uh, he called my room and he said, Hey, there's so many people down here. Can we just talk about this in your room and have coffee there? And I, you know, it's been over 40 years, but I can still feel the panic that I felt at that moment, having a man in my room that I'd never that I didn't really know. Yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, but you think this is the Attorney General. This is okay, Juanita. Calm down. This is okay. And that was my biggest mistake, saying, no, I can't meet in my room. Uh, But, yeah, that's... he. I had already told my uh, assistant uh, to go on down to the meeting and sign us in. I ordered coffee to the room. And so that's where everything went so bad. When he came to my door, I opened that door and I see this man standing out in the hallway with these dark sunglasses on. And I should have shut the door right then, you know, but you don't, you just don't hindsight, you know, I had no, had no hindsight. He comes into my room, uh, takes off his suit coat and lays it across a chair. I had this big table over by the window. And uh, I had all my files and everything laid out there, what I wanted to show him about the inability to take care of a patient on what the state was paying us. And then uh, he walks around the table. And looks down, we were had, had a window view of the Arkansas River. It was really pretty. And he says, come here, I want to show you something. So I walk around the table to where he is. And he's pointing down below at this little dilapidated building. And he said, you know, when I become governor, I want to restore that. That was an old 1800 jailhouse. And I just sort of nodded. I could have said, wow, or whatever. And start back around the table. And that's when he grabs me and everything. Was a complete shock from there on. It was. I, I felt like I was in some kind of a horror movie. I couldn't believe what was happening.
0: And you know, you told your assistant after that happened what what had happened, what had occurred. But you, you really. Oh
1: my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness! After the rape, and it was rape. It was horrific. You know, Booker. I'm a nurse. But I'd never known anyone that had been raped. I'd never known anyone that had been, I'd never taken care of anyone as a patient, as a, as a rape patient. Uh, it was just, it was just unbelievable to me. And when he let, started to leave my room, well, of course, let me go back just a little bit. In order to make me give in to whatever he was doing, he would bite my top lip. And I absolutely at one moment thought that he was going to bite through my lip, my whole top lip. And so by the time that he left, which was only about 20 minutes later, maybe 15, my lip was swollen, bruised, bleeding. And as he gets up, it's it's like he was completely nonchalant to what he had done to me. And he, he's, he says, He looks at me like, what are you crying about? And then he makes the most bizarre statement you've ever heard. He said, Don't worry, I'm sterile. I had mumps when I was a boy. And that sort of went over my head. And then he says, motions to my mouth and he says, You better put some ice on that and walks out the door. And you've I rush over to the door. Yeah, I rushed Uh over and locked it. And disbelief, but so thrilled that he was gone.
0: You mentioned your book a couple of times. What is the name of your book?
1: You had better put some ice on that. That's what I thought. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what he said to me. How how callous, you know? And so, just awful.
0: and again, it's 1978. You do tell your yes. assistant, and but you keep it to yourself you know the you don't go to oh. the police you you don't carry forward again this no. is this is a man of power and it's someone that you're actually helping to get elected as a, the governor of arkansas so
1: oh my God. what could you do yes well just like you said i told her she came to the room when i didn't show up for the meeting and she came to the room and saw me and immediately got ice from my mouth and we sat down and she says what do you want to do I said just take me home number one I I was ashamed I thought my god how did you let this happen that's the mentality we had back in the 70s it's the woman's fault what did I do you know, what did I do to bring this on? And then the second most important thing is he was in charge of nursing home complaints as attorney general in my state. He could have shut me down at a moment's notice, you know, just by a made up complaint. I I, I was between a, a rock and a hard place. I had no idea what to do. But first, I, I was so ashamed. I thought, how could I let this happen to me? and was just like a zombie for about the next three to four weeks. Only told five people, and that was out of necessity.
0: But then you keep it to yourself for years and years. and Oh,
1: my God. I guess it was about yes. when,
0: 1999, that you...
1: 90, well, it was 98, early 98, when uh, uh, the investigators for... Paula Jones came to my front door. In fact, you know who they were? They were Beverly and uh, Rick. I can't remember their last name. Their daughter's a superstar. Anyway, they were investigators and they came to my front door to ask me if I would be in, uh, that they'd heard about what I'd gone through and that would I be interested in being in the lawsuit with Paula Jones? And I said, absolutely not, you know, in so many words. And so that's how my name first got out, and then it was ultimately revealed when uh, Ken Starr uh, uh, deposed me uh, in ninety, also at the end of ninety eight.
0: And then, as some people uh, say, well, she never said anything for twenty years, and then she kind of denied yeah. it. So that that baggage, oh, yeah. that baggage, has
1: been on right. Her. Oh, exactly. Uh, I got us when those people came to my front door and asked me to be in the uh, uh, be Jane Doe number five in the Paula Paula Jones suit. I said, no, I won't do it at all. Well, they went back. They had recorded my interview on the front porch with them. And when they got back, they uh, uh, had some incriminating information on there that i more or less admitted yes that's what happened but i'm not going to get involved in this i saw what was happening to uh, kathleen willie and paula jones and jennifer flowers and i thought my god i'm trying to run a business i can and i had opened up my second nursing home by then for handicapped children and so i thought there's just no way i'm going to get my name out there on this well that didn't I mean, that was to no avail because it did get out there. And when I denied it the first time, the attorneys for Paula Jones sent that tape recording uh, of Rick and Beverly Lambert. Miranda Lambert was is the yes. one I was thinking yep. of. Uh, when they, they sent that tape recording of what I'd said to uh, Ken Starr. So that's how Ken Starr called me in for a deposition.
0: And then all these years later, it's as if that is forgotten by so many of us on the conservative side. And let's talk about your transition from where you were a Democrat to where you are now so vocal and a common sense conservative. Where did that
1: transition take place? Well, it sort of took place, uh, after I, I was very much for george bush the second and uh campaigned for him you know not in his actual campaign headquarters or anything but i was very much for him here in arkansas and then i got very disappointed with him uh in some of the things that he had done in office and then i voted for obama i thought well maybe this will be good and gosh i contributed probably over three thousand dollars to his campaign and then got so disillusioned i I didn't even vote the second time around with obama i think i skipped that one too i mean it was just it was i thought my god woman what have you done given to the enemy (laughs) oh and then i had pretty much not decided to get into any of this 2016 Miss, and then in late 2015 i see this uh tweet and message on tv from hillary that said uh, uh i want to send a message to all victims of sexual abuse you have the right to be heard and believed and we're with you <laughs> i turned back the dvr on that and i read that again and heard her say that again and i thought We're with you. Really? Oh, my God. So I kept thinking, what on earth am I going to do? I knew I had to do something to answer this tweet. Well, I didn't know how to use Twitter. Uh, And so I call my 12 year old grandson. That's who you call, you know, (laughs) when an old person wants to know about social media. Uh, and I called Ridge and I said, can you come over here and help Nana? I need to see how to tweet. And he walked me through it, didn't tell him what I was going to tweet. And so the next day I got up and I tweeted, I was 35 years old when Bill Clinton, the Arkansas attorney general raped me and Hillary tried to silence me. I'm now 73 and it never goes away. And I thought, well, I haven't said anything that I didn't say. 20 years ago and that's all the truth it's all fine and i thought okay now what do i do and i reached up and clicked tweet and all hell broke loose (laughs) i will never forget within 30 seconds my phone started ringing off the wall i mean one reporter after another i and about the third call was my son the attorney <laughs> and he said mom what did you do and i said i have no idea listen booker i had no idea the power and the instant response i mean it's it's instant and it's worldwide and i, I didn't i didn't grasp it
0: and then you end up getting banned from twitter eventually
1: yeah, in, in April, yeah, but that was all over uh, uh, COVID. Yeah, in the vaccine. Yeah,
0: and now we have Elon Musk comes in. How do you perceive Elon Musk's ownership of Twitter so far?
1: Oh, of course, I see it very positive. You, you probably know that Cat Turd, my friend, yes, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, tweeted. To bring me back, he said she's a really nice person. He was really bending it there a little. But anyway, <laughs> he said she's a really nice person. Within two hours, I was back on. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So when you see that list of people that have influence on Twitter with Elon Musk being number one and Cat Turd being number eight, it's true.
0: And at 80 years old, now you figured out Twitter and The last time I looked, I think over 600,000 people follow you on that platform.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed too. Can't believe it.
0: Yeah. We're going to take a break and in a few minutes, we're going to come back and play some word association with you and we'll throw out some some words and you just (laughs) uh, share with people your thoughts and feelings on that. And Lou, you know, we talk about the oil and gas industry a lot here on this program and uh, what Joe Biden did to the oil and gas industry. They call it a transition. They're transitioning us away from oil and gas. Well, there's an organization that if you are in the oil and gas industry, you need to be aware of. Get a piece of paper and a pen and get ready to write this website down here in a minute. The Oil and Gas Workers Association, it's a grassroots independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit trade association. And it's run by oil and gas workers. They're in the business, and they do it for the purpose of saving American jobs. They're busy lobbying for common sense laws that put Americans to work and make America energy independent again, which we were in 2019. If you know anyone in the gas and oil industry, give them this website. Write this down, ogwusa.com. Membership is free, and by the way, they have over 46,000 members now. And the website, again, is OGWUSA.com. The Oil and Gas Workers Association, they're fighting for American jobs, and they're fighting for energy independence. We're going to be back with more of our lives and politics in a moment on the America Out Loud radio network.
1: AmericaOutloud.com. Golden flu season is here.
2: Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a
1: safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's
2: a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network
1: over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com.
2: Visit genesisfolgercom forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow, with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free Love it or your money back guaranteed. Healthycell.com, code out loud. Healthycell.com, code out loud.
3: Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry dental defense system has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track, in an easy, effective, and very tasty way. Switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers.
0: Back here on the America Out Loud radio network, this is Our Lives and politics. I'm Booker Scott with my co-host and producer, Lou Pizzotta. Special guest is Juanita Broderick. So glad to have her here with us today, sharing her story earlier. And now we're going to move to a little different direction and we're going to play some word association. But before we get to that, Juanita the Atlantic in 2019 did an article on you and I I found something interesting in the way they describe you. We were just talking about Twitter before we, we went to the break the gulf between Broderick's social media persona and her actual one is especially wide for me. It, that just doesn't seem like a fair assessment of who you are. It seems like you're authentic on Twitter and what you believe you say. Do you feel like that's a fair assessment and what the Atlantic said about you?
1: No, you know, that was such a funny thing. I met with that little young lady, uh, about three times and I never could get a take on her. And they used this funniest little old picture of me when they, when they did the uh, interview, it was a photo. It was a painting photo of a photo and I look like I'm 110 in it. It's so funny.
0: Well, it and is, I don't know it if, is the Atlantic. Yeah. They're not going to do you yeah. any favors.
1: <laughs> it was just so funny. The three times I met with this young lady, she had on this very same dress. <laughs> We're talking within a few days of each other. And that was just, uh, that, that. I don't know why that, that came to mind, but it did. But I guess because I was respectful and funny and I was with a group of friends and maybe that's the side she saw.
0: But you know, that's what I see on Twitter. That's what that's what I see yeah. in, in your social media platform. It, if yeah. it, it's like if it comes to your head, I, I feel like most of us that follow you and love you on social media get the real person. Like if if we yeah. had if we had dinner with you as friends, that it would be the same conversation that you have on Twitter that we had in a in a personal relationship over dinner.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you also had that Caitlin Flanagan from article from the Atlantic, what Hillary knew. Yeah, You know, so it's, and it was very positive and, and with me, but the, the best one was, uh, uh, when, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, the New York times said, I believe Juanita now that liked it. That just shocked me yeah. to death. Well and that was in 2018.
0: You you almost have to believe you and all the others at this point. There are just too many. And oh yeah. And so let's let's get into a little word association. This is always fun. So I'm gonna say a word or a name and you say the first thing that comes to your mind and then elaborate a little bit.
1: Okay, do children listen to this?
0: Um no, no. <laughs> no, I'm
1: joking.
0: <laughs> No, you weren't. Okay.
1: <laughs> the, the, the,
0: the first one is Pelosi. Which? <laughs> you choose.
1: No. W-I-T-C-H.
0: <laughs> okay, you went with which. Now let's go, let's go to Paul. Are you thinking hammer and underwear?
1: No. Uh, that th- that one, boy, that's a hard one. Yeah, of course you think of Hammer and you think of underwear. Oh, my God, imagine Pelosi in his underwear.
0: (laughs) And it's amazing how that has disappeared from the radar screen. Oh, yeah. Just completely gone. We
1: we will never see those uh, uh, body cams.
0: But the good thing is the witch is gone. Uh, She no longer has power. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, The next one, the border.
1: Oh, of course. It's the first thing, crisis. You get just... And criminal, criminals, (laughs) criminals coming across the border.
0: And you know, when you look at that thing, to me, it is a human crisis. It's so much more than just the border. We're talking 130, 40,000 American young lives that have been lost to fentanyl. We're talking, yeah, uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, 1,400. Humans have died crossing the border since President Biden has been in office. And then and two, we
1: still don't know. Yeah, we don't know that the government involvement in human trafficking.
0: Right. 266,000 unaccompanied children in two years have come across oh. the border. Where are they? You know, it's, it is a human yeah. crisis. It isn't left or right. It's not uh, conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. It is a huge problem. And, of course, just yeah. recently Biden went down there for the first time ever in 50 years. And we'll see what happens out of that. I guess he's offered $20 billion in some sort of assistance for that. Let's, let's move oh, on. Oh, my God. Let's move on to the next name. Let's go to Kevin McCarthy. Rhino rhino and now speaker of the house. And we went, we went through that process as you sat back and watched that process of the election for the new speaker, Kevin McCarthy. What were your thoughts as you watched 15 votes take place in the house of representatives?
1: I, in the beginning, I didn't think that he would make it and I didn't know where we would be. And my biggest fear is, is somebody going to do something and vote some way that Jeffries could get it. That was, a, that was a frightening thought. But then, Booker, as it got closer to the end and the last 13th, 14th, and 15th vote, I thought, oh, my God, just get it over. <laughs> maybe, maybe, just maybe he'll do good. And that's what I tweeted this morning, that that, that buffoon in the White House is not going to do any good at all, ever but will the house on the border.
0: And and that's all we can hope for right now is that yeah. um, every, everyone in the house of representatives pulls together and does some good work. And I'm not sure what that right. work is going to look like, but th- that brings me to the next word for word association, 87,000 IRS agents.
1: Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those for a flat tax. I'm one of those that think, start with that 87000 extra baggage and work your way back and get rid of the rest. Just do enough to do a, just have enough of an IRS, IRS uh, department that can handle flat tax.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like a flat tax too. It just makes it mm-hmm. so easy. And with oh all, my the, God. all the loopholes and, and everything that, that people can take advantage of, you don't need 87,000. Well, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Right. Another thing too, they were, weren't, they given guns. Well, these people weren't they issued guns? Yeah, and these 87,000, the
0: the 87,000 IRS agents is over 10 years that will be added. Uh, So it's it's not like 87,000 are running around right now with guns, um, saying, Put your hands (laughs) up, pay me your tax.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, send them to the border, let them help down there.
0: Yeah, that would help. Uh, the next one, Benghazi.
1: Oh, my, you can't help but think of anything but that ambassador being crucified right on TV and those other heroes and her saying, what difference does it make? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mitch McConnell.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) I'm sorry, but he's just an old useless old fart. He absolutely, you know, he's one that I'd like to see. His tax returns. We
0: know his father-in-law is a huge ship magnet in China. Yes. Or he was. And right. He gifted him, Mitch McConnell and his wife, millions of dollars years ago. Uh, so Mitch McConnell yeah. got a lot of his money from China and the CCP. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I just think he's a traitor to the to the conservative Republican Party. I just think he's a huge traitor.
0: And while we're talking about Mitch McConnell, what about term limits? What about an age limit? You're, oh, you're 80. No. You're, you're in great yes. shape. But <laughs> at what point do some of these people decide, I want to retire? And and if they can't make that decision, do we make it for them with term limits?
1: Yeah, I think term limits has to be a coming thing. But, I, you know, I think that there should be a flat, maybe, 16 years or less, but then I think that they have to take a cognitive test after that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, it's like someone over 80 or 75 that's still driving. That doesn't need to be. So, and you know, you're, you mentioned you're 80 years old. I would never, I would never call out a lady and her age, but you brought it up and, and you're uh, mentally you're sharp as can be. So it depends on the person, but Again,
1: exactly. But, you know, I shouldn't, you know, I still think 80 is questionable. You know, don't we have something there in their nineties
0: and don't, yes, we do. And don't we have new ideas, you know, in, in to me, the turnover brings maybe some ideas and I understand the arguments against term limits and I think they are good arguments. Um, But something, something should happen about how long these people are staying in Congress. Okay. We're going to go to the next, the next name I have is Donald Trump.
1: Oh, Patriot selfless. He just absolutely is the most unselfish person I know. I mean, look what he did. He's the only president in probably history that's ever gone out of the white house, uh, with less money than he entered. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Donald Trump fan. I think that he gets very egotistical sometime, but I'm okay with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I would think to be the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, there is going to always be some ego in that. And, um, yeah. you know, if it, who, who wakes up and says, I want to be president of the United States, unless they have a pretty good ego.
1: Yeah. Well, you're right there. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm just a, a firm believer. I, I don't know what the, uh, 2024 election is going to bring. I think we're in for some big surprises. You know, it's just like he came from the back of the crowd, uh, in 2015, I still think there's somebody else out there that may do the same thing. But if he's running, I'll vote for him.
0: And, you know, we are in the cycle in eight years ago during the cycle of the presidential election. We're still six months from when Donald Trump came down the escalator. To your point, yes. it is still early. Yeah. You know, there there is still yeah. plenty of time for someone to emerge. And uh, from either side, yeah. and I don't know that we have all the answers yet. And then we continue to have conversations about the next person that's on my list to ask you about, and that's Ron DeSantis.
1: Oh, Ron DeSantis! Oh, I like him. You know, I I think uh, as far as a I, I can't give you give you a one term reply to that. I just think he has so many good things going for him. Uh I of course the, the ultimate ticket for me would be Trump and DeSantis, but I don't think we'll ever get to anything like that. Um but I just think this man is common sense and and governs like his people wants him to.
0: Now let me ask you about this one. Joe Biden.
1: Oh my God, idiot, buffoon. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, we wake up to this every morning, what he says and what he does. And it's just, it's so embarrassing. We're the laughing stock of the world. Do you believe, and do you believe he? I don't think think he'll make it the next two years. Do you believe that he has the
0: ability to actually be president? And if not, who do you think is actually pulling the strings?
1: I wish I knew. I used to tweet that I thought it was Obama uh, because of his comments that he made that he wished he could serve a third term, you know, in regular lay clothes and sit back and, and do it without any notice. And it makes it made you wonder in the beginning, is that exactly what happened? Uh I don't know. I, I I don't know who is running, but I think we have the right to know. We know it's not Joe Biden, Booker. Yeah. yeah. There's no that, that man can't even doesn't even know how to get off the stage after he speaks.
0: No, he doesn't know which direction to go. He has to have
2: help.
1: No. And, no,
0: and I tell
2: people all the time it 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 pains me to say this because of his age and what he's going through, that I take no pleasure whatsoever in saying something bad about that man at times because really, it's it's a shame, and he should just be taken out in the sense that, maybe get him out of the office or don't put him in those situations because we all know we can all see exactly what's going on. And it's not a good look for a country. It's not a good look for his family or anybody around him in the administration.
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, but I, I still, I have such dislike for the Biden's and what they put this country through. And I made a tweet. I tweeted yesterday, I believe. And I said, you know, I'm getting all of this emails about Alzheimer's. And I said, I just forwarded on to Joe Biden. (laughs) Do you think he got it? Yeah. I I don't know, (laughs) evidently not. He's not gone in for treatment, but he has, I mean, I I had an Alzheimer's wing in my nursing home and he certainly resembles that. They have him heavily medicated. Yes. uh, No doubt.
0: Yes. Next name Hunter Biden.
1: Oh, creep. (laughs) <laughs> my God, why is he not in jail for all of the you know all of those videos with underage kids? I mean, you're talking 13, 14 year olds that he was having sex with overseas. Oh my god.
0: And, and just and, and there there are other crimes that are available to see on the laptop as well. And
1: but will we ever? I mean, will we will he ever be what? this is what the American public is the most frustrated about I agree. is how this family can commit so many crimes. Now will the household uh, bring him up for impeachment and will Hunter be brought up? For, well, he is being brought up, you know, for investigation now, but uh, it's, It's unreal. It's unreal, the people that get by with stuff.
0: And I think that is such a frustration for the American people. And one thing that has galvanized so many is we see the way that Donald Trump was treated for four or five years under investigation the entire time he was president. And obviously, at this point, what have they found? They have dug under every rock, every stone they possibly could, and nothing has happened at this point. His entire presidency was under that investigation, and who did it hurt? It hurt the American people because when Donald right. Trump was president, we had the lowest unemployment among Hispanics and blacks. We had wage yeah. increases among everybody, you know, and, and who did we really hurt? You know, who did they hurt? with those investigations? It hurt the American people. And here we sit today, and, as you call him, we have Joe Biden, the buffoon, in the White House, and we're dealing with his son, Hunter Biden. And you know, their yeah. their their gun their gun issues that he had that are clear on the laptop. Uh, and then the money part of it, three and a half million dollars from the uh, mayor of Moscow. The the wife, of, yeah. you know, there there, and and millions and millions of dollars from China, and nothing is happening on this, and it's so frustrating. And, and hopefully, Congress, this new 118th Republican Congress, will actually have some investigations that have some teeth in them, and not like Benghazi was.
1: Exactly, they have got to come forth with evidence that will make the Senate look like complete total retards if they don't consider impeachment.
0: So we have a few minutes left here Juanita, and I wanna, I wanna end this hour, maybe on a, a bigger picture, 30,000 foot view, stepping away from the forest and, and looking at all the trees. How do you see this country today?
1: Oh, it's, it's like nothing I could ever have imagined back in, you know, 1990s, uh, early 2000s. It is, I wake up each morning and I go to Twitter, turn on the TV for the news, a little bit of it, mostly Twitter, uh, because I'm afraid of what each day brings right now. I'm afraid for my family, for my grandson, and so many other things. it's It's got to make a turn, and I haven't seen it make that turn yet until I can see that this house is going to do some good and start our world in a different direction. I'm uneasy.
0: And do you see, what, what exactly do you see can happen in our country to make people have respect, regard for one another again, like it used to be? Do you see anything? Oh, you,
1: the only thing I can see is a lot of what Corey DeAngelis is doing is, is concentrate on our schools, on our children, and let the parents back into the, to the school in saying what's right and what's wrong for their kids. It's got to start there. You know, this week, uh, I'll be moving in my 19-year-old grandson with me. His mom is relocating and he wants to stay here. And I'm just so interested and what he thinks and where he thinks his life is going, uh, it should be interesting. If I don't kill him, well, maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can talk about him later. But I'm, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, it's it's so, there's so much that's gone wrong in our schools, and I think that's that's one of a huge thing that needs to be straightened out.
0: So, in your conversations okay. with your 19 year old grandson, how do you think he views America?
1: I think he's lost. He doesn't know how that two years of shutdown with uh, the the COVID and having to wear a mask. he. I had to make him take his mask off about six months ago. He got so used to it. It, it was just like an everyday thing with him. Uh, you know, I had tweeted this morning that I was so glad that my 19 year old grandson has not taken the COVID shot because he said if Nana's not taken it, I'm not either. The rest of his family has taken it, but they only took the first two shots back when it wasn't as bad with the mRNA as it is now. So and and he he's he's with me a lot and knows I think I've I've helped him with a little bit of common sense, but I'm worried about kids. I really am. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So am I, I'm a, I'm a grandfather. I have one grandchild. I also have a young, a young daughter who is 10 years old. And really that's the reason why I do the things that I do because I want them to have the future. I want them to have the hope that we had when we were young.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I had put something, uh, on Facebook the other day and, and I'll read it to you. Pierce it's, it's brief. It's just a minute. Yeah, please do. I said from, from, yeah, from the moment my grandson was born, he has been a huge part of my life. He spent many weekends and summer times with me. So many wonderful memories when he was about six, he said, Nana, can I live with you? I said, Oh my goodness, Ridge, your mom and dad would miss you so much. And then a little while later he came back and he said, okay, Nana, When I'm older and you're not dead, can I live with you then? I smiled and I tried not to laugh and I said, Sure, you can. And then he's now 19. He's older and I'm not dead and he's moving in with me next week.
0: And you know what? I think that's a great place to end this hour. Juanita. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us here on our lives and politics.
1: Thank you so much. I enjoyed being here.
0: That was wonderful. I,
2: I truly enjoyed that. Juanita, thank you so much. Um, we would love to have you Thanks, back. Lou. You're welcome.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And you can get an update on my grandson and I, and what we feel, what, what our differences are.
2: That would be very <laughs> interesting. I'm looking forward to that actually. So you're you're welcome to come back. Yeah. Anytime. We'd love to have you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. He's been through a hard time. He lost his girlfriend Uh back in May. She died from complications of a car accident and her funeral was on the day they were to graduate. So Uh it's been tough. And now his mom's getting married and remar getting remarried and moving to Dallas and he's estranged from my son. So tough times coming up.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll we we'll keep you in our prayers about all that. Thank but you. But Thank thanks, you so much. Thanks for, for making the time for us. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks. And, and I just enjoyed meeting you guys. All of course, right. I knew Booker on a, on Twitter, if, but thanks.
0: The conversation has been with Juanita Broderick, and her book is You May Want to Put Some Ice on That. And, you know, Lou said it a few minutes ago that we would love to have her back sometime, and I think you heard why. She is a great storyteller it is so easy for her to tell stories and recall things from so long ago she has so many followers i think almost seven hundred thousand on twitter and they love her everybody loves her and i see why her life is certainly an open book it absolutely is booker and you know
2: just having the conversation that we did with her she's a very motherly and grandmotherly reminds me of my own grandmother mm-hmm. i mean everything about the way she spoke and everything just reminded me it brought back memories of my own childhood and my grandmother but and I'm really looking forward to what can become of her 19 year old grandson that she had mentioned toward the end it's going to be moving in with her I think that's going to end up being very hilarious and I'm looking forward to tweets and having her back on again in the future so that we can get
0: some follow-up on a lot of other things plus that absolutely and our next conversation on our lives in politics is going to be with corey mills corey is a freshman newly sworn in 118th congress and his life is really an interesting story it's a great story of overcoming and succeeding he's twice injured on the battlefield in iraq and afghanistan and he is very very interesting he's full of fire and brimstone when it comes to politics in america and we look forward to that conversation. Don't forget uh, all the great programming that is available right here on Americaoutloud.com from Dr. Peter McCullough, attorney, Tom Renz, and so many more great Patriots. Hey, I'm Lou Bazzada, co-host and producer. You can follow me on Twitter at Bazzotta Lou. I'm Booker Scott. And <laughs> thanks for joining the conversation. And remember salt without flavor is useless. You are the salt of the earth. So be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives and Politics on the America Out Loud Network.